Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. Welcome everyone to Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm Tim Grady. I'm here with my host, Lou Weiss, who is up in New Jersey. I'm in the Atlanta Center, and we are talking today with Norbert Orr and Royce Lowe in our global show where we talk about all of the purchasing manager indices that appear all over the world. So you get an update on those. We've got some great updates on some regional U.S. surveys that Norbert covers this show. So be sure and tune into those as you listen. And before we get to our guest, let's speak with Lou Weiss and see what happened last week. And we'll see what's happening in the news. Lou, how you doing? I'm doing great. Good morning. I think today is our first. I think today is our first day where I finally turned the air conditioner off in our offices. Everybody's walking around with uh, hoodies and gloves on, um, even though it's only 65. <laughs> in any event, uh, let me get to our postscript uh, about uh, last week's uh, show, which is. Uh, Really quite exciting. We are on we are on site at Manufacturing Day in New Jersey, uh, and we interviewed uh, many people. I think we had a total of uh, ten, eleven interviews. Uh, one being uh, with John Kennedy, president of NJMEP, and Congressman Donald Norcross, and Senator Robert Gordon of the state of New Jersey. Uh, the Nods company uh, that uh, was demonstrating robotics. And we had uh, a usual when we do a manufacturing day event, which is all about, I think, students teaching them about manufacturing and giving them alternate career paths. And we did interview uh, two different groups. One were high school and one was first, second year uh, college, vocational college students who are absolutely brilliant kids. And uh, one of the interesting things about that when I was talking with them was um, being that parents are the ones that uh, guide kids, children, young adults into a career path, typically going to college, which could also be a mistake. Uh, I really wanted to know what these students, uh, how they felt or how their parents felt about the fact that their um, offspring uh, was looking at manufacturing, and almost in every case, uh, they got full support. Um, some of these students uh, were American, some were uh, from other countries from around the world, and all brilliant kids and uh, very energized and uh, anxious to uh, get out into the working world because they they also knew and caught on real fast that the kind of compensation packages that they can get in a manufacturing environment is way different than being a social worker or a school teacher, maybe by double and triple within two years. So that was uh, very interesting. And there was, uh, like I said, there were about 10, 11 interviews, very interesting stuff. Take a listen, manufacturing day. This is the sixth uh, event that they had annual event. They had a total of 2,746 events throughout the 50 uh, states, uh, usually 
including Puerto Rico. I have a feeling Puerto Rico may not have been in it this year. Uh, but there were 2,700 events throughout the country. Lord knows how many people were involved in it. Uh, there they had to be tens of thousands. And unfortunately, it doesn't make mainstream media. Uh, but uh, that's why we're here uh, to help get that message out. So that was last week's show. Um, a couple of news, uh, news items that uh, I'd like to talk about for a moment. <clears throat> seems as though the, the big story now, and it, it's hard for uh, Tim and I to talk about manufacturing without some politics getting involved nowadays. It used to be talking about, uh, uh, you know, real manufacturing topics, but manufacturing is now a, a political uh, hot potato. Uh, the NAM, uh, National Association of Manufacturers, came out with a, a survey uh, regarding uh, tax reform and how it's going to e- help hurt or increase business for uh, manufacturing companies. Um, and the, it goes like this, and I'll run down just a couple of the numbers. Uh, 64.7% of the companies that responded claimed that they will increase capital spending. Well, that's a, that's a big, big, big plus because that all those funds go into many of other manufacturing companies within the United States to build equipment, uh, technology, and so on. So that's that's a biggie. Uh, the other one um, is to expand their business, 64%. That means spending money on uh, marketing, on sales, and uh, you know start beating the bush and looking for new business. Uh, the third one is uh, about 56% hiring more workers. Well, that's, they, there may be a challenge because um, right now in the United States, we have 700,000 vacant manufacturing jobs. That's number one. Number two, the baby boomers are retiring, and I know this is going to sound absurd, but it's been verified. The 10,000 people a day are retiring in this country. And unfortunately, our, the birth rate in this country has slowed. So there are less people going into the workforce. So I don't know where they're going to be getting more workers because all manufacturers are complaining about uh, not enough workers, the skill gap, that they don't have the right skills. So somebody will work that out, I'm sure, at some point. Uh, the last one that I'd like to report on here, and I'm, I'm not sure I agree with this at all, even though this supposedly was a survey by the manufacturers that claimed that 52% of the manufacturers will increase wages. Well, I'm not sure that that's going to happen. And I've heard it reported in the news that the tax uh, reform bill is going to generate $4,000 per family uh, for uh for the benefit of the family as a result of the tax reform. I'm not sure that's a reality. That could be just more puffery, but that remains to be seen. Um, that's uh, There are a bunch of other little items. That really is the highlight of the tax reform uh, as it relates to uh, manufacturers and what they plan on doing with the money. And that is, of course, if it passes. So far, Nothing has passed um, in our Congress today, uh, and here it is, uh, the middle of 
October 2017. So we'll move on from there. Next item, and uh, Ford companies uh, looking to slash $14 billion in costs. They seem to be a little bit behind the competition with General Motors, not only in expansion, but in technology. So Ford is planning to do uh, a whole lot of new things. That also means uh, cutting car models. It also means uh, getting rid of a lot of workers. They are putting in more uh, automation and robotics, uh, which people are afraid will replace jobs. That's not necessarily true, but that's a whole other topic. Uh, Tim, I think that's uh, that's it for today uh, of any uh, major import importance uh, that uh, I picked up on. Uh, I do want to just mention for those who may not make it to the end of the show that next week's show we have Shane Fox, who's co-founder and CEO of an organization called Link 3D. Uh, they just dis- they just they will be discussing the the software that they're using to streamline and optimize additive manufacturing, 3D printing, and so on. So that should be uh, an interesting uh, uh, topic. It seems as though that, uh, for example, in aerospace, within the next two or three years, 50% of the parts that go into an aircraft, a commercial aircraft, will be 3D printed. Uh, so that's uh, that means there's a lot of machine shops that aren't going to be having uh, the the capabilities to supply parts because they won't be machining them the same way. Uh, they may be doing finished machining on 3D printed parts, but that remains to be seen. So all that being said, Tim, take it away. Let's start the show. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back with our senior international correspondents, Norbert Orr and Roy Slow, after these words. Manufacturing Talk Radio will be right back. All Metals and Forge Group is an ISO 9001 AS and EN 9100 manufacturer of open die forgings and seamless rolled rings in alloy, carbon, stainless and tool steels, aluminum, copper, titanium, and nickel alloys. Visit us at steelforge.com or call 800-600-9290. Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Speaking with us now is Norbert Orr, who is our senior international correspondent who follows 18 global purchasing managers index reports, along with several in the United States, which are some very interesting regional reports, which we like to get into with Norbert. He always has great insights for us. Norbert, welcome again to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thank you. Good to be with you. So where do you want to start in the in the world of global PMI reports? What's good, what's bad, who's uh, doing well, and who's not? Well, I think the, the overall picture uh, is, uh, is quite good right now. Uh, it's very broad-based. Uh, as you mentioned, there's 18 surveys that we follow, and one of the things that we do is uh, – uh, subtract those that are uh, failing to grow from those that are growing, and we get a net difference between that. Uh, the last three months, uh, we've been at 18, uh, all 18 uh, of the surveys that we follow growing. Now, that may be only slightly, 
meaning they're just a little bit above 50, or it may be uh, up in the 60s like uh, the U.S., Germany, and uh, a couple of others, uh, uh, Netherlands, Austria, uh, are all close uh, at the 60 mark, showing uh, very significant growth. Uh, The Chicago PMI, which uh, I sometimes worry about uh, how – uh, it has a high degree of variability, so that scares me a little bit. But Chicago PMI is above 65, uh, so some good things are happening, I think, uh, in the U.S., in Europe, in Asia, uh, as, as we look around the world. Now, it looks like back in 2016, uh, your PMI net monthly score hit kind of an inflection point. It had been kind of traveling downward since 2014, and it's now headed up rather nicely, 16, 17, uh, kind of headed into 2018. Now, how does that trend look to continue, Norbert? Uh, actually, the, the chances are good right now, I think, uh, particularly if uh, the, uh, Washington is able to pass a tax package that will stimulate growth in the economy, this is uh, this can go on for quite some time. Uh, the question is, we're 96 months into the cycle. Historically, that's been the end, close to the end, if not the end of the cycle. Uh, we very well could be at the midpoint and, and maybe even closer to the start of the cycle that uh, where we are right now, just given what we've seen. What has really been different in this economic recovery, uh, the first eight years have been very, very slow. Uh, mm-hmm. It's caused a lot of hardship uh, because there was no growth in the economy, no growth in wages. Uh, but it was uh, we were keeping our head above water, basically, and treading water as opposed to, to really trying to swim to the finish line. Uh, but... Uh, having gone through that period of time, what we found is that very slow growth uh, has been uh, solid growth. Uh, it uh, hasn't been overstated by any means, uh, and, and like I said, uh, it came at a price to do that. But because it was slow, I think it extends the possibility that we're going to grow longer, and if we continue on the same path, Earnings are good uh, as far as Wall Street is concerned. Uh, certainly the indexes are at levels that are uh, have, have, we haven't seen before. Uh, and uh, it looks like uh, technology, uh, innovation, those types of things are helping to drive, uh, uh, drive the economy. You've got players like uh, Amazon, Google, uh, Microsoft, uh, Intel, uh, that are all uh, doing extraordinarily well and doing extraordinary things. And how about the natural disasters that we've seen, Norbert? Hurricanes, Harvey, Irma, Maria, now we're into fires in California. What do those things tend to do to the economy looking forward the next year, 18 months? Uh, in general, uh, any one of them by the, by itself uh, would not present a great challenge in the overall scheme of the economy, that uh, the economy is on such a scale. Uh, 
But uh, fires in California, hurricanes in Florida, Louisiana, Puerto Rico, uh, those all come at a, at a, a cost, and uh, particularly at a cost that uh, uh, we have a huge government def- uh, uh, deficit, and uh, we're putting money into those areas uh, as as we need to. Uh, but we're putting money into those areas, and uh, uh, that just runs up the debt that much more because it's, it's cash that we don't – it's not like we have a savings account that we're taking money out of and, and uh, right. giving it to, to those areas. So um, that has, a, a, uh, you know, a uh, uh, an effect. And, and a lot of people would say, well, yeah, but the economy's going to do better because you've got all this rebuilding that you're doing, and so – that's going to create economic activity. Well, it it creates economic activity, replacing somebody that was something that was already there. So mm-hmm. it's not additional to the economy. It's basically just recovering uh, and replacing the value that was already in existence. If if the hurricane had not happened, if they had not destroyed all of the things that it destroyed then that money could have been available to use for other things in terms of uh, infrastructure, et cetera, uh, that might have uh, might have added more value from doing that. So um, at the same time, we do what we have to do. If, you, you're, you, if, if you're going to be involved in a hurricane, you, you want to live in the United States because you'll get far more help <laughs> right. than you'll ever get anywhere else in the world. Very true, very true. As I look at the losses mounting up, they're starting to approach half a trillion dollars from all of these events combined. So you're right, it's going to take, you know, insurance companies are going to take a hit, the government's going to take a hit, uh, and a lot of personal wealth is going to take a hit. So it's going to be very interesting to see how that rolls out. Is there anything in the European market that's kind of queasy that we should watch out for or is it just going to kind of continue to chug along fairly strong well uh the eurozone pmi which is eight countries uh this past month uh those combined pmis hit 58.1 up seven tenths and that sets a 77 month high for the eurozone uh the uh uh Those uh, countries in particular, Germany, Netherlands, and Austria, all right at or above 60, uh, have been leading the way. Uh, Really, the the biggest problem has been Greece, and even Greece is showing uh, some form of growth, some of doing the right things. Uh, But uh, Europe uh, may be reaching its peak uh, I think uh, the situation with Spain and Catalonia uh, in particular, uh, along with Brexit, really puts some doubt in uh, some people's minds on investing in the European area in Europe uh, because they're not sure they can get the return back out of it. Not sure what it's going to look like. Not sure what uh, the... Uh, uh, eurozone is uh, is going to be able to count on in terms of growth from uh, the countries. Germany, of course, is going to lead the way. Uh, but after you get past Germany, 
they uh, size-wise, those are not huge economies. Norbert, shortly before and then for some time after Brexit, there was some talk of Italy exiting the euro, uh, France exiting the European zone. Has that come back around or has that died down? My understanding is that uh, Italy had talked a lot about it, but Italy wasn't in a good position to be able to do that. They have a great deal of debt uh, and uh, unraveling Italy from the European Union would have been a huge challenge uh, to do that. Uh, Now, Spain... Uh, I think they're going to find out that that's also very, very difficult for them. Uh, What made it work for the U.K. versus the Eurozone countries is the U.K. had its own currency. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they they owe an eternal debt of gratitude for Margaret Thatcher because she's the one that said if we're going to join the European Union – well, the only way we do it is we keep our own currency. And that was the thing that allowed them to unwind or will allow them to unwind what's happening uh, in, in their intention to, to exit the uh, European Union. So it's not as simple as bring in your euros and we'll give you lira and we'll move on in life. Well, the the debt is so inter, inter, intertwined between these countries, mm-hmm. Tim, mm-hmm. that uh, trying to unravel it uh, becomes mm-hmm. a huge problem of how much, you know, which bonds do you take and what's the expiration on them and what's the, the uh, amount on them uh, and why do I have to give you this part of it and you pay for that part of it. Uh, just trying to to unravel all of that when their debt is completely different. And, I mean, there's that problem with Brexit also, but because they have their own currency, it's a whole lot easier for them hmm. to be able to, to change, change over. Nonetheless, it's going to be a year, or 18 months, two years before Brexit actually gets done, is it not? Yes, and, and even longer. Um, oh. There's there's no uh, no sense of urgency, um, and uh, you know it depends on what politicians are in power, how it's going to be negotiated uh, in the final form. The European Union uh, at first said we're going to you know we're going to cooperate, and then uh, they got started to get into it and. Uh, they've made it much more difficult uh, for them to do that. Uh, I do believe that it's the best thing the U.K. could have done. Uh, It was was just totally uh, a question of did they want to give up their sovereignty to uh, Mm -hmm. bureaucrats in Brussels. If they wanted to do that, then it was the right thing to do. If they wanted to maintain their own sovereignty and control of uh, of the country, they needed to uh, to do what they've done and, and exit the agreement. Okay, okay. How about in the United States? You follow some regional surveys, and there's always some interest in some of those. Any stand out in your mind this month? 
Uh, yeah, actually, I, I think they probably all stand out in my mind as far as the U.S. is concerned. Um, the Overall, uh, the ISM PMI manufacturing is at 60.8, a uh, very strong level, very aggressive growth, uh, and that's, that's the highest level we've seen since January of 2004. So uh, a very significant uh, way to look at that. The uh, Some of the other uh, surveys that have... Uh, have been meaningful. Uh, one of those that, that I like is Milwaukee. Uh, Mil- Milwaukee uh, is a good representation of uh, durable goods, things that uh, mm. re- from refrigerators to capital equipment and so on, uh, because the Milwaukee area has a lot of uh, people uh, a lot of companies that are deeply engaged in heavy equipment. Uh, Bucyrus is there. Uh, John Deere is close by. Caterpillar is close by. Um, so a lot of that spills over into the Milwaukee market. And uh, that's they, they've had quite a good run recently uh, uh, in, in that market. They were above 60 this month. Uh, I also like to look at Western Washington. Western Washington, uh, kind of uh, in parentheses, I put the Boeing report. Uh, (laughs) Washington State is highly dependent from a manufacturing standpoint on Boeing, uh, given the size and scale and so on that they do. So uh, that uh, survey last came in at 58.6, so very, very good indicator of what's going on. Uh, with Boeing and particularly Boeing's operations in the Northwest uh, when they're doing that well. Uh, I like the Dallas survey. It's at 56.8. Dallas was not hurt anywhere near as bad as the Houston market. Uh, And Mm -hmm. they tend to be different anyway. Houston tends to be oil and gas, energy and chemicals, whereas Dallas is... uh, uh, more uh, companies that have headquarters there. Uh, Frito-Lay, I think, is one of those. Uh, and a, a number of consumer goods companies uh, that are in Dallas. Uh, uh, Texas Instruments is in Dallas, I believe. So th- there's a, a broad mix of uh, industry that uh, that is doing well uh, right now. Uh, I also like... Um, the the Fed surveys, and uh, one's for Philly and the others for the Empire, and both of those are very positive right now. One's at, uh, Empire's at 60, and uh, Philly uh, is at uh, 58.7. So those are showing up very nicely uh, in terms of growth. Uh, I just uh, the the number of years I, I've been doing this and looking at this data and so on is probably 25 years now, and I've never seen it any better than where it is right now. Uh, you know, the thing that bothers me is usually when I say it just can't get much better than this, <laughs> is usually when it is usually when it doesn't. <laughs> now, in your uh, uh data you always prepare a scattergram and way off in the upper right hand corner at 64.3 of chicago 
What's happening in Chicago? Well, a, a couple of things. Uh, first of all, Chicago uh, mixes manufacturing and non-manufacturing. Um, and um, so it uh, it doesn't fairly represent either one of those, I, I don't think. Uh, and you can't break it out and say, well, this much is manufacturing, this much is uh, non-manufacturing. Uh, so it's it's very difficult to tell exactly what's going on with that. Um, the other thing that I've seen from Chicago is uh, a lot of uh, uh, variability in the in, in the monthly numbers, and that generally is a sign that maybe they're not getting as many responses at certain times as they should be. Um, I don't know. I I just uh, I tell my my audience uh, don't uh, don't overreact to Chicago if it's uh, you know uh, if it's at 64 and uh, the national numbers at 60, that's not too bad. Uh, if uh, if it's at 64 and uh, the national numbers 55, then uh, it's showing some of uh, of that erratic nature that I, I was mentioning. Norbert, is the non-manufacturing doing as well as the manufacturing? And I know that those two kind of uh, uh, bump off of each other, and sometimes one drives the other. How's non-manufacturing doing? Non-manufacturing is also doing well. Uh, usually, non-manufacturing is running about two points ahead of manufacturing. Uh, but recently, manufacturing, because it's been so strong, has been outpacing uh, uh, non-manufacturing. Non-manufacturing is at 59.8, and manufacturing is at 60.8. Uh, if things were typical, I uh, historically expect to see non-manufacturing a couple of points above that. But both are doing uh, both are doing extraordinarily well. Uh, the, the one thing, uh, Tim. Uh, you know, our audience uh, here is based is interested in manufacturing, uh, but non-manufacturing has a big impact on the manufacturing sector. Uh, for instance, in non-manufacturing, we count housing. Well, mm -hmm. almost everything that goes into housing is a manufactured product. Uh, in fact, I can't think of anything ex except maybe. Uh, uh, the water in the sprinkler system, or uh, whatever, <laughs> right. that uh, that isn't manufactured uh, based on what what the design of the house is and what's available in that region. Uh, so housing has, and non-residential construction have a big impact on manufacturing. It carries over into that. Uh, the the big issue I always worry about with non-manufacturing is it's four times larger than manufacturing, and mm -hmm. it's much harder to measure compared to manufacturing. When we look at, uh, for instance, we ask the question, uh, are new orders better, same, or worse? In manufacturing, it's fairly easy to be able to find that out and, uh, and mm -hmm. report it. In non-manufacturing, uh, new orders, uh, uh, think in terms of a consulting firm, they may only get three new orders a year because right. they take on three major projects. So it, it's difficult to measure 
what's going on there. But needless to say, both sectors are doing well. Uh, we're seeing uh, unemployment fall, uh, stay down in the 4.2 to 4.4 range. Uh, that ultimately there's, we're seeing wage growth. Um, but like I said, it, to keep this going, uh, we've got to, to generate um, uh, some growth. And that growth has to, has to extend itself to where it allows us to get into paying down our $20 trillion debt. All right. Well, the last area I want to talk to you about, Norbert, is automotive. There was some concern a couple of months back that maybe automotive has reached its peak after a multi-year run of high production. Is it peaking, or has it still got some life left in it? Well, uh, one of the beneficiaries of uh, all of these hurricanes uh, and fires and uh, so on is certainly the automotive industry. Uh, I've seen estimates that there may be as many as a million cars that were destroyed. And so mm -hmm. uh, the used car market has firmed up. Uh, the new car market has firmed up. And it's probably going to uh, allow that uh, sector, the automotive sector, to uh, continue to uh, grow when they were really looking at uh, a decline. Mm-hmm. Uh, Norbert, we always appreciate having you on Manufacturing Talk Radio. One of the folks that you work with is Strategus Research Partners, and I wonder if you'd just explain to our listeners who Strategus is and what they do. Oh, yeah, I can do a little bragging today, Tim. Uh, we Good. Just were Strategus was just notified that uh, we were recognized as the number two macroeconomic firm in the U.S., uh, wow. macro macroeconomic is the overall view micro is uh, what we do on a day-to-day -day basis and so mm -hmm. uh, our uh, ability to measure what's going on in the economy and, and work with that and one of the things we rely on is a monthly survey that we do called our uh, strategic leading indicator of manufacturing and uh, so it contributes to uh, some of that success anyway. But uh, uh, we're proud of uh, the group that we've got. There's about 60 people in the firm, and we've got uh, economists, uh, financial people, et cetera, that, uh, that know what they're talking about and uh, offer, I think, a great service to the clients. We do have a monthly uh, survey we do if anybody's interested in that. If you will send an email to n o r e at strategus s t r a t e g a s strategus r p dot com, we'll certainly uh, be glad to consider anybody from manufacturing for participation in the survey. And I, I just want you to point out to them, Norbert, what they get for participating because it, it is really a significant value. Uh, the two major pieces that, that we provide, one of them is the results of that survey that we do at mid-month. And so you get a mid-month mm -hmm. look at what's the month look like, and uh, that can be beneficial to the company. And then you get uh, all the things we talked about of what's going on. I do a, a monthly um, a summary of all of the survey data from around the world, 
and uh, we share that with those people that participate in our panel. And from time to time, we'll do a special thing because we know something that we think is particularly interesting to manufacturing. So uh, it's a very simple uh, survey, only two questions each month, and one. And for that, you get a lot of uh, a lot of good information uh, at no cost. That's terrific. And Norbert, that survey actually precedes the ISM survey that comes out the first business day of the month around 10 a.m. or 10.10. So that's kind of an early indicator your report is. Is that right? Yeah, that's an early warning device. Okay. (laughs) Well, Norbert, we appreciate you being on Manufacturing Talk Radio again and all the great insight that you share on what's happening in the, the manufacturing sector of the U.S. economy. Thanks again for being with us. My pleasure, Tim. Bye. Bye-bye. And we've been speaking with Norbert Orr, who is our senior international correspondent, who speaks with us on the global surveys around the world. There's actually 18 of them. He also talked about several of the regional surveys that are very interesting. So come back and listen to that in greater detail. You may have to listen to it once or twice to catch everything that went on because there's a lot of great data in there. And we'll be right back after this. Manufacturing Talk Radio will be right back. How do you keep your business humming? Where do you go when you're looking for quality suppliers of new equipment? Components, MRO supplies, repair services, or even raw materials. 30 years ago, you would have turned to the Thomas Register. Today, those big green books are better than ever at thomasnet.com, industry's leading platform for product sourcing and supplier discovery. You can easily find that local machine shop, national distributor, OEM, or any supplier having the right quality certification. Fast and free. You can even get to specific products, components, or downloadable 3D CAD drawings simply by entering specifications or part numbers. There's a reason thomasnet.com has become the go-to supplier discovery tool for procurement professionals and engineers. There's simply no other resource like it, and it's all free. Go to thomasnet.com today and see how top-notch supplier discovery doesn't have to put a dent into your bottom line. Hey guys, are you bothered by rising transportation costs? Do you worry that your vendors and suppliers are also in the transport brokerage business? Do you sometimes wonder if you've got the right amount of product and supply available to serve your customers and get the job done? Well, if any of this is on your mind, I've got the free resource for you. It's called Inbound Logistics, and it reveals the ways companies just like yours took control of inbound product flow, rationalized transport costs, reduced inventory requirements and touches, all without dinging customer service. Go to InboundLogistics.com, look for the free subscription link, and sign up today. This message was sponsored by Manufacturing Talk Radio and All Metals and Forge Group. Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Joining us now is Royce Lowe, who is our senior international correspondent. Royce uh, comes on the show to give us an update on both the U.K. and the E.U. He happens to be over in France, in a lovely area of France. Royce, welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thank you, Tim. Good to be here. Oh, it's good to have you. What's going on uh, in the EU and the world of manufacturing and Brexit? And it, it, it seems too quiet. Uh, are they doing well? It seems quiet. It doesn't seem quiet yeah. over here. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, uh, the the manufacturing in uh, in in the EU is, uh, is sort of going uh, well. It's it's getting a bit hot, actually, as you might say. Um, the 
PMI is up to 58.1 in uh, in September from uh, 57.4 the uh, in August. Uh, the uh, job creation growth rate is, uh, has hit a survey record high. They've been doing this uh, survey for 15, 20 years, and uh, the, the PMI is actually it's a 79-month high. And uh, the, the whole thing, the, uh, the new orders that they're getting, uh, both domestic and export, of course, I mean, being in the EU, most of it's going within the EU, um, it's, it's testing the uh, capacity uh, of, the, of the manufacturers, and uh, in fact, they've got uh, very, very steep uh, backlog increases, uh, the, the biggest in over 11 years. And uh, this, this is effectively being led by, uh, by Germany, uh, which is as normal, Germany being, uh, uh, as you know, one of the world's, uh, I think, Third, uh, third largest export in the world after China and the, and the U.S. Uh, and by the Netherlands uh, and, and Austria. Uh, and, and everybody's doing well, uh, even Greece. So uh, for the time being, uh, manufacturing in, uh, in the Eurozone is, uh, is doing well. Uh, as far as the uh, situation, uh, or the, I'll just touch a little bit on the uh, political situation in Europe, um, of course, the um, Angela Merkel was uh, was just re-elected at the end of September, although she uh, not the same, uh, not to the same extent, or not with the same sort of uh, leeway as she uh, as she had before. There's a there's a right party now called the AFD, which is a, what's called known as a populist right party. Uh, which in the last election got a million and a half votes, and this one got about six million. Uh, this is not a problem, really, because uh, Angela has a, will have a coalition with, uh, with the Social Democrats. She's conservative, and between them, they've got almost 60% of the seats. But, but these people do have, uh, do have a voice uh, now. And uh, yesterday there was a there was a chap in uh, a 31 year old of all things uh, who was um, coming to power by the looks of it in Austria, and um, so it's uh, it's sort of uh, moving around. And uh, France has been uh, been hit by a couple of strikes. Uh, I was caught in one on a train last week, uh, and. Um, Macron's popularity is uh, is decreasing, which is fairly normal in France. They, they, they will elect somebody, then they will make him less popular than he was. Um, <laughs> but um, he is um, yeah, the, the guy is really he's really got some good ideas, and he's he's, he's encouraging uh, entrepreneurs, which is something that wasn't that wasn't really done. That that much before he's uh, he's really trying to uh, uh, to do a good job on this, and he's he's hoping to cut business taxes, uh, the corporate taxes, by uh, from 33.3 to 25. But he's got five. He, he's given himself five years to do that. One of the uh, one of the criticisms of the, of the man is that he he lacks some uh, somewhat in uh, in patience. Uh, but. Uh, from that point of view, Germany and France, Germany and France get along very, very well together. Macron and Merkel get uh, the sort of big buddies. 
so that's good. Uh, it, it would be terrible if they weren't. Um, and then again, we, we go down a little further south, and uh, we just had a referendum in uh, in Spain, uh, in uh, the Catalonia, which is a, a sort of very very small triangle in the in the in the northeast, uh, which uh, before has had uh, has had autonomy um, before the civil war and what have you, and they've had some some autonomy since. And uh, they just had a referendum whereby, uh, in, in, even though uh, only half the population voted, they did vote to uh, to secede, uh, sort of the way. Uh, but um, the the population doesn't really want it. For the 41% for and 49% against. It's it's not even even as strong as the uh, as the Scottish independence in uh, a couple of years ago. The Scottish the Scottish independence vote. And it's not even as strong as, um, well, some years ago, they, uh, the vote in Quebec to, uh, to get out of Canada. But uh, this part of Spain has 7.5 million people, and it is, a, it is considered to be the, one of the rich parts of Spain. Uh, lots of manufacturing there. In fact, see the big uh, automotive companies there, and, of course, Barcelona's there. But um, we, we're not expecting a, a great big uh, turnaround in any... Uh, in anything at the moment, uh, Angela Merkel has. Uh, she's going to have uh, to form a coalition government, which which, which she expects to do by uh, by Christmas. So things in Europe on the um, certainly on the manufacturing end at the moment, Tim, look uh, look very strong. Uh, there, there is optimism, of course, and um, we just have to uh, to hope that it carries on the way it is. Uh, in the UK. Um, we've got uh, there a slight drop in the PMI in September. This is down to 55.9, which is still which is still good. Um, but the uh, one of the one of the problems in the UK right now is the is the sort of lack of productivity uh, growth, and there was quite a <clears throat> there was quite uh, a lot of press about this last week. And uh, what they were forecasting as increases in productivity, apparently, uh, uh, the the, uh, <laughs> the forecast is just not going to work. So uh, that's something that the uh, Chancellor of the Exchequer uh, is going to have to look at. Um, the, uh, the, the there was a problem with the, also with the, with supply chains in uh, in the UK. Uh, in other words, a, a failure to meet. Uh, Delivery promises. Uh, the, that uh, so that thing came uh, the the worst it's been for about six and a half years. In, in other words, there are there are capacity constraints in the UK. The, the, they have a very low unemployment rate, but the productivity is not that good. And uh, I, I think a lot of this is um, it, it has been uh, a failure in the past to uh, to invest in in, in capital equipment uh, to some extent. Apart, of course, from the uh, from the automotive. Now, the automotive um, that's a that's a different kettle of fish. That's um, the, the car registrations in the UK have just dropped for the sixth straight month, which is contrary to what they've been doing in the rest of Europe. Um, and uh, in September, they dropped by over nine percent. Uh, some of this is due to the fact that people in <clears throat> both the UK and and Europe, of course. Uh, Germany particularly, 
they're buying fewer diesel cars than they than they were doing. Uh, some of this due to um, due to the scandal uh, from uh, from Volkswagen, which is still which is still I think on uh, lots lots of people's minds. But then again, there's a there's a move and and the. Uh, they're talking in the UK and they're talking in France about by 90 by 2030 um, there will be no more diesels, for example, um, on the roads. So um, the automotive um, business in in Britain is is in a sort of uh, up and down uh, mode at the moment, and uh, nobody really knows um, uh, what's going to happen with that. And um, that, uh, in broad strokes, is uh, is what's happening. As far as Brexit goes, <laughs> well, um, Brexit is uh, Brexit is Brexit. Brexit is becoming um, uh, more and more complicated. And uh, in fact, um, uh, Theresa May is going to is going to Brussels. I think I think it's today or tomorrow. To talk to um, the big wigs there, the people who are negotiating, and uh, she, she's she's trying to effectively what she's trying to do. She's trying to she, 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 she's working for time. She's she's biding time because she, um, she she's not quite sure where her where she stands herself. She's the prime minister, and and the people are asking her to leave. Uh, there, there's problems with. Uh, with certain factions in the uh, in the government who uh, who want to go one way and there are others go, want to go another way. The Chancellor of the Exchequer, he's the guy with the purse strings. He wants to go one way. He's less. Uh, he, he's, he's really. He, he was a Remainer. He he voted to to stay in. Now all this is um, is in some way. Uh, the, the outcome of this is it's, it's, it's got to be it's got to be affecting the uh, the economy in the UK. In fact, people are saying it is. Some people are saying it's affecting more than others, depending on which uh, on which way they look on the Brexit thing, whether they're uh, whether they voted to leave or to stay. But uh, I don't think there's any doubt that um, there is a there is a a great air of uncertainty. Uh, nobody knows where uh, where it's going to end up. Nobody knows how long it's going to take. They're talking about a, a transition period of two years uh, that, that might allow them to effectively carry on the way they're doing right now. Uh, in other words, they're still part of the EU, uh, and by March 2019 they're supposed to leave, but now they're looking for a uh, transition period, in other words, until 2021, whereby they will be able to carry on uh, trading the same way, et cetera, et cetera, uh, until that time, until 2021. But it's all, it's, it's all very much up in the air. They still haven't settled the, the, the business of, uh, A, uh, the border with, uh, with Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland, uh, B, the... Um, the divorce bill, as they call it. In other words, what's it going to cost Britain to get out of uh, the EU? Uh, and see the rights of, uh, of EU citizens in Britain, and uh, and vice versa. All this, uh, all this is still to be decided. In fact, nothing, nothing really concrete, as yet, has been uh, has been decided. In fact, no substantial advances. 
were made in the fifth session uh, to move from the uh, EU divorce to a trade deal. In other words, the the, uh, the, uh, the UK has got to have a trade deal of some kind. Uh, they've got to be able to de- uh, got to be able to trade with somebody, and uh, this whole thing is um, is is not decided yet. Rice, what Hello? about Scotland? Uh, what about Scotland, Rice? I know at some point that Scotland was thinking that they wanted to stay in the EU even if England left the EU. Is that yeah. still going they, on? They, um, they, they did. Um, the, 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 this, again, is a, a, a contentious thing. Uh, as you know, they had a, they had a referendum not long ago uh, in Scotland, and I think they voted 55% to uh, to stay. And if, yes, of course, the Scotland does want to stay in the EU. Uh, constitutionally, at uh, the moment, uh, they they can't do that. Uh, if if they uh, really they can't um, they can't call another referendum. It's 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 too soon. Uh, uh, but. Um, they're definitely keep an eye, keeping an eye on it, and, and, and they're not ruling out. They're not ruling out um, another referendum on independence. And of course, if they do go, uh, then uh, it's definitely a different kettle of fish, as you might say. But at the moment, uh, they're still in. Uh, they're still in the, the UK. Uh, so they, at the moment, they're still abiding by whatever happens um, uh, to the UK as far as Brexit goes. In terms of uh, factories in Europe that are kind of bumping up against their headroom and not having much left in terms of production capacity, is the overall talk about second shift or adding a partial second shift versus maybe in the UK where they fail to invest in new equipment, so they may have to do that? What's What do you think is going to happen in in countries around the EU in terms of managing the demand? Well, I think, um, I think even though it's, uh, it's, it's tight, um, I, I, I'm certain that there's still room for... Um, uh, I, I'm certain that, they, um, that there's still room for, for, for improvement. And um, it's, um, it's really a question of... Um, uh, which countries are, are heating up most? And, uh, and for example, France has got an unemployment rate of 9.8, and surely they could, yeah, surely they could do something. Um, Italy and Spain could, uh, could, could come by too. Uh, they say that it's uh, it's testing the manufacturer's capacity. Uh, in other words, they're they're managing okay at the moment. Um, if it gets uh, if it gets much worse than this, uh, in other words, not, not maybe not much worse, much better <laughs> uh, than this, right. uh, then then I guess something drastic would have to be done. But I think at the moment, uh, from that point of view, uh, Tim, everything's everything's okay. One of the things that we have been watching in the United States over the last five years is that there has not been a lot of intensive capital investment although that is now beginning to pick up in the last uh, 12 to 18 months. It, it really was a laggard coming out of the Great Recession. What's the talk yeah. in the U.K. about capital investment? 
Well, in, in the UK, they're saying that uh, effectively the, the, the orders that they're getting at the, uh, at the moment, um, they're basically uh, equally divided between consumer and uh, intermediate investment goods. So uh, they say at the moment that they, are, that they are working on this. Now, this, of course, is something that... Um, uh, something that one has to question in view of the fact that they have such a low unemployment rate. I think they're down about about the same unemployment rate as you guys in the U.S. Uh, <clears throat> but the productivity is 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 low. It's it's, it's been measured low. Uh, it's it's a problem and uh, uh, it's a concern um, that uh, that this eventually is going to is 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 going to affect. Uh, very adversely, uh, manufacturing train, and um, I don't know exactly uh, who's who's buying what, but uh, uh, th th there are no th there's no great um, information coming out of the UK to the effect that, uh, uh, that they are making a, a determined effort to uh, to improve this. Uh, and I think it's 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 the particularly the, uh, with the Brexit thing going on. It's the uncertainty. In other words, if we spend money here, what's going to happen if? And uh, right. this is uh, this is one of the problems. Uh, it's uh, I mean, you, you know what uncertainty does to uh, to businesses and to people. And uh, this is the this is one of the major problems at this time. In, in the UK. I know on the automotive front that I believe it was Audi indicated that they were going all electric by, oh, it was 2019 or 2020. It was very aggressive. Is one of the other automotive manufacturers doing over in both the EU and the UK in terms of getting out of both diesel and internal combustion engines? Mm-hmm. Well, I think Volkswagen, of course, who own Audi, uh, they they came out recently and said that by I think it's by 2030, uh, all 300 models, in other words, all the companies that they own, all the models that they uh, that they sell, uh, they expect to have um, uh, an electric model, uh, electric models of, uh, of these by uh, by 2030, all all 300 uh, types. Um, they're all. Um, I mean, Volkswagen owns an awful lot of, uh, of the European automotive industry, uh, uh, but PSA, uh, the Peugeot, uh, who just bought, um, they just bought GM in Europe a couple of months back. Uh, Ford, Ford seems to be lagging a little bit. They're lagging a little bit in the U.S. I think, as far as the electric uh, thing goes. And then, of course, you've got. Uh, James Dyson, the guy that uh, turned the vacuum cleaner on his head, he's saying he's going to come out with something that uh, is going to be very, very different from everybody else's. Uh, it'll be expensive, and it won't be a sports car, but it'll be the best sort of thing. You know? uh, I guess he's uh, Europe's answer to Elon Musk. But uh, there, they are. Um, yeah, there is a, there is definitely a move, and uh, it's, it's being led, I think, by, uh, by Volkswagen. Uh, they they are the they are the big in uh, in Europe by by far. I mean it's uh, it's Volkswagen and, and Toyota the two biggest in the world. But uh, uh, the Volkswagen.
Volkswagen will will lead the way, I think, on this uh, on the electric thing, and and, and they they determine. Uh, maybe some of this is is just um, uh, maybe some of this is just propaganda saying, uh, "Hey guys, we're going to do this, but just forget about the diesel thing." <laughs> yeah. So that's, uh, clearly uh, for Volkswagen, clearly for Volkswagen, moving faster to electric would help them on their emissions issue. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Um it's um well there is an emission problem in uh, you don't we don't hear an awful lot about it. It's not, it's not sort of world news, but if you hear people talk about what Paris can be like some days, you know, and, uh, and Berlin and uh, uh London of course too. Um, they they do they do have problems with emissions. Uh, of this, there is absolutely no doubt. And uh, I, I think uh, I think the um, the electric car thing is going to become a political football pretty soon if it's not already. Uh, I think uh, I think the uh, I think the U.S. government, uh, the Congress, uh, uh, is is even uh, has even come out and said. Uh, this is what we'll allow you to do. They're giving a free hand to industry to to do what they want to do, uh, which is probably a good thing because they wouldn't know what to do. It would take them too long to decide what to do, I think. Uh, You've got to keep this out of the hands of government. Wouldn't you agree? (laughs) Yeah, right. Well, we'll see how how all of this plays out as uh, 2017 closes out and 2018 rolls in. Royce, we certainly appreciate you being on Manufacturing Talk Radio and giving us an update on the EU and the UK. Thanks for being with us. Thank you very much, Tim. Talk to you later. Bye-bye now. All right. Bye-bye. And we've been speaking with Royce Lowe, our senior international correspondent, who joins us from the EU and the UK. He happens to be in France, gives us a very complete update on what's happening over there. And stay tuned for more of Manufacturing Talk Radio. Manufacturing Talk Radio will be right back. Elevate your career and stay ahead of the curve with EISM. Brought to you by the Institute for Supply Management. EISM is the first on-the-go lifestyle-compatible learning initiative in the industry. It features hyper-short 15-minute modules and guided learning courses that can be completed in as few as three weeks just right for you or your team. It's the world's largest one-stop online learning shop for supply management. Register today at ismelearning.org. Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Well, that's, uh, that was a great show. Norbert Orr is always uh, full of great information, and uh, it's, it's uh, really wonderful to hear uh, other news than what's going on in the United States. Uh, uh, as you all heard, Norbert reports on 18 uh, PMIs from around the world. So we get a kind of a picture shot of what's happening globally. And uh, that was great. Uh, Royce Lowe also reported on the, the UK and France and uh, the EU. So we really got a good picture of uh, uh, what's going on in Europe. Unfortunately, uh, Chang Wang, who is ill in Shanghai, couldn't make the show today, but he will be back next month. 
Uh, next week's show, just as a reminder, we have Shane Fox, co-founder and CEO of Link3D. He's going to be discussing the software that's now being used to streamline and optimize additive manufacturing uh, of companies of all sizes, large and small, uh, for the solutions and manufacturing products and parts for the manufacturing industry. So tune into that. It, it will be an interesting show, and hopefully our audience will be able to uh, utilize some of the services of uh, the companies that we uh, have on the show uh, regarding manufacturing. Tim? Well, Lou, it was great being on the show with you again today. We invite all of our listeners to go to mfgtalkradio.com to listen to any of the shows that we store there. There's now over 200 of them. You can also sign up for our e-zine called Metals and Manufacturing Outlook. We encourage you to sign up for that to get even more information on the industry. And come back on every Tuesday or stay in touch with our website because we post a lot of news articles there. And just pick up on what's happening in manufacturing. We're always glad to have you listening to Manufacturing Talk Thanks Radio. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>